You all had submitted songs uh, from the secular world that uh, either made claims or asked questions about God or, or faith. And so today, the song that we're going to take a look at is by Carrie Underwood. It's kind of an obvious one, uh, Jesus Take the Wheel. And so this song came out in uh, October of 05, and by January of 06, it was a number one country hit. And uh, you all may recall that that was her initial album, and that was sort of a real coming out song for Carrie Underwood. So um, it's not quite a classic, but it's an oldie and a goodie, and I really still enjoy this song today. So um, I want to get a couple of things out of the way first. The church lawyer called and told me I had to give you this disclosure. Atascacita United Methodist Church does not endorsing you taking your hands off of the steering wheel of your vehicle at any time. And if you happen to be um, someone like me that prays a lot in your car, please do not close your eyes. It does not end well. So I had a friend of mine that I met in seminary um, who prior to the, the existence of cell phones talked to God in her car all the time. She'd be at a stoplight, and she's yammering on, and people would look over and go, man, that woman is crazy. She's just talking to herself in the car. And finally, when cell phones came out and everybody had a speakerphone in their car, she was praising God because now she wasn't the crazy lady talking to herself. She was just another lady on the phone. So this song, um, it reminds me of a bumper sticker that I saw. Um, said, if Jesus is your co-pilot, move over you're in the wrong seat. And I like that. So, so what's happening in this song? So for whatever reason, the songwriters decided she was going to Cincinnati. And she's, the lyrics say she wasn't paying attention, she was going too fast, she hits some black ice, and she loses control. And metaphorically speaking, she takes her hands off the wheels and she, the car comes to a safe close. She's got her little baby in it, uh, in the car with her. And I love the song and I love the message. But, but it reminds me of my life. So often um, I turn to Jesus when I'm in trouble. And Jesus hasn't been at the wheel the whole time because I think I've got this. I can handle this. Go Mike, right? That ever happened to you? Think, oh man, I, I've got this, this new business venture or whatever it is that you are about to do. I've got this. I can do this. Maybe you even prayed about it before you did it. But th th there is this time in which you're thinking, I can do this. I've got this. And all of a sudden you find out this thing that you got by the tail is actually a tiger and you're in trouble. I don't know about you, but that's when I turn to Jesus and say, oh Lord, help me, just like the driver in this song. She's in trouble, and she asks Jesus to take control. So our text today comes from the Gospel of Mark, and they are up against not a metaphorical storm in their life, but an actual storm. Jesus has been teaching. 
it's in the evening, and they get into the boat to go out into uh, the Sea of Galilee and go to the other side. And that's where our text picks up. So it's Mark 4, 36 through 41. Hear these words. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat. So the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey? This is the word of God for the people of God. So the Sea of Galilee is actually known for sudden storms coming down. It's, it's kind of in a, in a valley surrounded by mountains. And there's a certain wind direction when it comes through, can come through and cause uh, great storms. And they can really literally just pop out out of nowhere, pop up out of nowhere. And that, that still happens today to the fishermen there in the Sea of Galilee. Maybe some of you have seen it. Some of you have been there. Um, but storms can happen in that particular body of water out of the blue. Now, some of you may not know this, but I happen to own a sailboat. It's now 37 years old. Haven't had it that long, so I've only had it about 11 years. I have a 31-foot sailboat. It's a sloop, and I love to sail it. I find peace. Um, I find God, frankly, out on the water, and I find relaxation, and it helps me prepare for the week ahead or the week that's happening, and it, it's, a, it's a special place for me. And I have been out in that sailboat uh, in some thunderstorms, not on purpose, um, but they've popped up. And it's kind of a scary feeling having lightning bolts kind of going all around you and you being the tallest thing out there. Um, it can be scary. And I, I understand how uh, the disciples felt in this storm. Uh, I will occasionally do an offshore race. It's called the Harvest Moon Regatta, and it goes from uh, Galveston to Port Aransas. It's 150 miles out in the Gulf, not 150 miles out, but it's in the Gulf, sailing from uh, Galveston to Port Aransas. And I've done that race four or five times. And I, I was really able to sort of empathize with the disciples uh, in this particular passage because I didn't really experience a storm per se, uh, but I experienced some sea conditions that were uh, most unkind and um, were kind of hairy. So we, we were probably four hours into the race and the wind picked up to about 20, 25 knots. Um, it's kind of like, you know, once you're out there, you, you got to deal with what's happening. And so our boat was healed to about 40 degrees. So we were like this the whole way, and we were going fast, we were racing, and the seas continued to build and build, and 
we were in six to eight foot seas in a 31 foot boat. Now, some, of, some, will, some sailors will probably tell you, oh, Tyson, that's nothing, but it was my first time to be out in those conditions in that small a boat. Now, some of you may think a 31-foot boat is big. On the Gulf of Mexico, let me assure you, it is not. And so, we, uh, we sailed through the night in these six to eight-foot seas. Um, and let me just remind you, for those of you that not experience this, everything's different at night. That was the longest night of my life. Uh, we, we, didn't, we weren't really in fear. We didn't go straight to waking up Jesus, but um, it was an interesting ride, and I was grateful that my boat held together, that all the work I'd done to prepare it uh, made us able to go through that, and it was my first time as a captain responsible for four other souls on board my boat in these sorts of conditions. And um, a little hairy. And so as we got into the Port Aransas Channel, we turned the boat and the wind came from behind us and the boat went flat. And from inside the boat, there was this giant whomp from all of the stuff that had slid over here. It fell back where it belonged. But I understand the peace the disciples felt because as soon as that boat went flat, there really was a peace that came over all of us. It's like, we're safe, we're here, we're okay. And I really understand the peace that they felt when the storm came to an end. So I can really empathize with them as I, as I read this passage. So it's interesting to note that in this text, um, Jesus says, be still, be quiet basically, hush, be quiet. In chapter 1, verse 25, Jesus said these exact same words to a demon-possessed man. The, the demon was inside this man, and he recognized Jesus, and he was sort of about to out Jesus. He basically said, I recognize you. You are the Holy One of God. And Jesus basically says, hush, be quiet, put a muzzle on it. So he uses these same words. In one case, he's casting out a demon, and in another, he's calling the wind and the sea to be still. That's sort of an interesting, I think, juxtaposition of the same phrase of how Jesus, uh, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, can use that. So, and I've told you before that the disciples in the Gospel of Mark are sort of best described as the duh disciples. Um, they never really got what Jesus was about. I mean, I, I don't know how often you read the Gospel of Mark, but every time I read it, I want to go, oh, come on, guys, don't you get the point? And the disciples have a really difficult time getting that, and it, it shows here in this passage. So they're, they're wondering, who is this guy after he calms the wind and the sea? So, this, it's classified as a miracle story. It's a, it's a nifty miracle that Jesus manifests. There's this big storm, the Sea of Galilee, and he tells it, shh, be quiet, and it obeys. And it's just sort of one more piece of evidence of, of the fact that Jesus is, in fact, God. But, but I have to tell you, if you let this 
story stop at a little nifty miracle that Jesus did, you're missing some great stuff. Because when you look at this sort of in, in a spiritual way, it's really our story, or at least my story. It's a story of, of how I think I have things handled, and I'm in trouble, and I turn to Jesus. Or I forget that Jesus is right there with me in the boat, and yet I'm afraid. So in this song, the woman is on her way. She's hustling home. She gets into trouble. And she asks Jesus to take the wheel of her car, don't do that, and of her life. So the disciples, they're in the boat with Jesus, and there's this big storm. And they become frightened. And then they remember that Jesus is there, and they say, wake up, wake up. Save us. The truth is that being a follower of Jesus, it's not just a choice that you make. It's really a lifestyle. So, so often in my life, I've thought to myself, I've got this. I can handle this. And then when things get tight, when things get scary, I go to my closet, I open my closet door, I get God out of the box, and I open the box and I say, hey God, help me out here, I'm in trouble again. Do you ever find yourself doing that? Really, as a follower of Jesus, we have to remember that Jesus is walking with us all the time. He is in the boat with us all the time. He's not something that we can just turn to when we mess things up. Being a follower of Jesus is a lifestyle choice. When we keep Jesus with us, when Jesus is with us in our lives, we find peace. We find a peace that frankly, is not available to those who are not followers of Jesus. Because Jesus is with us, we can find peace where others cannot. But let me remind you, that's not a promise of a peaceful life. We're, we're all followers of Jesus, and guess what? The pandemic happened to us too right? And if sorrow, mourning, loss has not yet entered your life, it will. It's a part of life. Sometimes we find ourselves frightened or anxious about the choices or the things that are happening in our life. And in Jesus, we can find peace especially if you allow Jesus to walk with you day in and day out.
With Jesus, we can find peace in sorrow, in sadness, and in loss. We, we find peace in the understanding that the end of this life is not the end of our life. We find peace with the idea that we will be reunited someday with the loved ones that have gone on before us. I find peace in that. When the world seems to overwhelm me and I'm really anxious or I'm concerned, I find peace in Jesus. I was serving a church years ago, and this lay person had just taken body blow after body blow. I mean, his, his dog died, his grandmother died, his mother died, he lost his job, he lost his house. I mean, it was just body blow after body blow after body blow, and I was just talking to him about it. I was like, wow, that's so much. I'm, I'm so sorry that you're experiencing it. And he said something to me that I will never forget. None of this affects my salvation. I find peace in that. I find peace in the idea that no matter what this world does to me, none of it affects my salvation. It might affect my attitude along the way. I might become a little angry or a little bitter or a little sad. But none of what this world can do to me can take away my salvation. And I don't know about you, but I find peace in that. When we are confused about what to do, I find peace that Jesus is walking with me. And I know I'm not the best disciple. I, I sometimes find myself walking along and I'm like, golly, Jesus, where are you? And then I stop and I look at myself and it's me that's wandered off. It's not Jesus. He's always there beckoning me back. find peace in that. And it is a peace that really passes all understanding. It, it's hard to describe until you experience it. Being a follower of Jesus, it's a lifestyle choice. It, it means acting in Christ-like ways. It means desiring to grow in our faith, taking advantage of those opportunities that come our way to grow in our faith, and to be able to look backwards and to see where God has been at work in our life. In Jesus, we find peace. But we need Him all the time. We shouldn't just go get him out of the box in our closet and bring him down when we need him. The truth is we need him all the time. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus.
So if you've not yet handed the steering wheel of your life over to Jesus, let him drive. Not your car. You still have to do that for a while longer till they automate them. But do let Jesus steer your life. Because in that, you will find peace. You, you will find a peace in your life, no matter what life does to you, you will have that peace. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can affect your salvation. So let go of the steering wheel. Let Jesus drive. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, oh, we are so guilty of just bringing you out when we need you. Father, help us to not keep you in a box, but to keep you by our side all the time. Father, for that peace that enters our life through our relationship with you, Father, we give you thanks and praise. We really don't completely understand it, but we know that it's there, and we just say yes to that. Yes to your love. Yes to your grace. Yes to the peace that comes into our life through you. And for that, we are grateful. For that, we are thankful. Father, help us to be and become the disciple that you would have us to be. Make it easy for us to hear Jesus in our life, to hear the words that he whispers to us, the words of love and of grace and of forgiveness and of guidance. Open our ears, Father, that we may hear, that we may experience that love and grace. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.